1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. You know, I always say that I'm so honored to have this program and to be on Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I. And my program, Positive Living, is about bringing you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live the kind of life you want. Today is certainly no exception, and you can give us a call at 866 472 8-8, if you're listening on December 10th, uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific. I have a great guest for you today. We're talking about innovation, about creativity, and about looking at the masters in our world as examples. My guest is Michael Gelb. He's an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation. He has written ten previous books, including the international bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. His clients have included DuPont, General Electric, Merck, Microsoft, Nike, among others. And his brand new book is Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show again. Okay, why did you pick Edison this time? You've picked Leonardo da Vinci and many others. Why Edison?
2: (laughs) Well, the story begins a few years ago when my phone rang and a woman introduced herself as Sarah Miller Caldicott, and she explained that she was Thomas Edison's great grandniece. Mm. And then she told me she was an MBA from Dartmouth, and she left the corporate world to start her own innovation consulting firm. And she was doing some research for an article about her great great uncle, Thomas Edison.
3: Mm.
2: And she had read How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, was very inspired by it and was ringing me up to discuss whether she could use the same kind of format that I had evolved for how to think like Leonardo in the article that she was planning to write about her great uncle for a newspaper down in uh, Florida where she was living at the time now here's the real <laughs> here's what really happened in the nanosecond that she mentioned that she was Thomas Edison's great great grand I had an absolutely complete vision. And the vision was oh, we're going to write a book together. Mm. We're going to bring Edison to life, (laughs) just as I did with Da Vinci. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect confluence of backgrounds and talents and skills and orientations between Sarah and I. Mm. I knew that I could tell from her voice that she was, my intuition just said this is a person of character and intelligence. And she'll be great to work with.
3: Mm.
2: So in my mind, right in that moment, I said, "We're going to write this book about Edison." And you're and, right. But there's even more that went on in that. And that you know, it's amazing how many thoughts you can have in one <laughs> less than a second. Because yeah. I also thought I wrote this book, "How to Think Like Leonardo," and it fulfilled the vision that I had for it, which was to touch people around the world with the message of their remarkable capability and to give them a path forward for realizing all of their human potential. Mm-hmm. Leonardo is probably the most gifted all around genius who ever who's ever lived. And if you're interested in self expression, in creativity, in using all your talents and abilities, there's no better role model.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But in this nanosecond, what I realized about Edison, who I've always been interested in and read about and studied and loved, what I realized is now Edison is the perfect role model for practical down-to-earth mm-hmm. achievement.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And many of the people that I counsel and consult with are looking at how they can run more innovative, more profitable, more successful enterprises, mm-hmm. whether they are entrepreneurs or huge companies Mm -hmm. so I thought Edison is for practical business
1: what would you say Michael is the the greatest lesson of Edison what does he teach the most of
2: well this is (laughs) here's the deal we know that he teaches us principles of of invention and and I mean he didn't just invent the light bulb for example He invented the system for lighting the entire world. But that's not his greatest contribution. So you might say, well, he invented the phonograph. And again, he did with the phonograph what he did with the light bulb. He invented a whole system for recording music. He invented the modern recording industry. Then he went on and did the same thing with the motion picture industry. But as brilliant and amazing as Edison's achievements are, And you have to remember that before Edison, when it got to be sunset, it was dark, unless you had a candle or a gas lamp. It was sort of murky and not very pleasant. And he didn't want to just invent a light bulb. He wanted to light the entire world. Mm -hmm. And again, before Edison, if you missed a speech or a musical performance, that was it. You could never, ever hear what it sounded like. Mm -hmm. He invented the phonograph and all of a sudden there was you could record music you could record speeches mm-hmm. we take it so much for granted today but yeah. it was a mind-blowing world-changing invention
1: so he did very, he he really created the practical things that we use
2: the practical things we use but i'll tell
1: you the most practical and powerful
2: thing that he invented and this is the focus of our book innovate like edison and this is what people can really take away that can change their lives help them revolutionize any endeavor they're engaged in. Edison invented a systematic approach to innovation that any of us can follow. Mm -hmm. And in the book, what we do is to outline that systematic approach and make it relevant to people today so that they can fulfill their greatest dreams and visions just like Edison did.
1: Well, maybe we should start by talking about one of them. Before the break, let's just start with one of, like, what would be the first systematic principle.
2: Well, there are five, we call them competencies for innovating like Edison, and each of the five competencies is made up of five elements, which are practical things you can do to apply the competency. And the first competency for innovating like Edison is solution-centered mindset, to have a solution-centered mindset.
1: So you're always thinking about finding a solution. That's the first thing. Exactly. (laughs) First thing.
2: As opposed to whining and complaining about how big the problems are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, Edison took on huge problems, and he was very realistic in facing those problems. But he cultivated this attitude in his laboratories where people just felt that their success was inevitable, that they would overcome any obstacle. They had remarkable culture of optimism but at the same time as they were optimistic about the big picture they were deeply intensively rigorous in their objectivity in the analysis of any particular problem mm-hmm. so this balance between the ability to look at what's in front of you in a very objective cold hard fact oriented way while maintaining an overriding sense of optimism
1: Mm-hmm. And, and don't, you think, don't you think right there, Michael, is where a lot of us have the issue is we look at something and we don't think of the solution because right away we think how we cannot do this, that it, it's just going to overcome us. So we think about all the negatives before we think about the solution.
2: Well, either that, that's one very common problem. And the other problem is the sort of new age focus on optimism without really grappling with the problem. The mm-hmm. great news is if you have this big picture optimism, then you have the courage and the strength to get in there and wrestle with the very difficult challenging details.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But you're always motivated to move on and to come up with the next uh, next solution, the next idea, the next experiment, the next attempt. If you embody this this Edison competency and what it begins with the very first element is to align your goals with your passions Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: because the missing link for a lot of people when they set goals is they don't link their emotional self with this cognitive, intellectualizing of what they wish they had.
1: Do you think sometimes uh, you have to take risk when you do that? Because sometimes you might have to do things, for example, you align your passion with what you really want, with your purpose. Sometimes you may have to take a a financial risk to do that. Sometimes you might have to relocate to do that. I mean, sometimes there's risk involved. Do you agree with that?
2: Of course. But the beauty of it is that, this is how all you know what what was so cool is that as we identified these competencies for innovating like edison and we had the help of dr paul israel who's the world leading edison scholar uh, he's the director of the edison papers project and they're cataloging cataloging all of edison's amazing in-depth incredible notebooks uh, and and he was our scholarly advisor in the, in this project So we were really attempting to say, what did Edison really do? And the great thing is that what we found is that we naturally applied everything that Edison did to figuring out what Edison did and making it accessible to our readers.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And the five competencies form a complete system for innovating. And then within each competency, each element sets the stage for your success in applying the other elements. So... In other words, you can align your goals with your passions. Yes, you might take a risk by setting a huge goal, doing something that's supposed to be impossible, like inventing incandescent light, which was supposed to be absolutely impossible, according to the leading uh, scientists and engineers of the day. Mm -hmm. But you see, if you have the charismatic optimism, you'll turn any adversity into a learning opportunity that will help make your success inevitable. Mm -hmm. The next element is to seek knowledge relentlessly, as Edison did, so you're always learning and giving yourself new material, new information that will help you succeed. You experiment persistently, so you're constantly testing your ideas, Mm -hmm. and you pursue rigorous objectivity, so you make sure that you're realistic and down-to-earth, Yep. as Edison was. And that, that those elements together make up the solution-centered mindset.
1: All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Michael Gelb, who is the author of the book, innovate like edison the success system of america's greatest inventor michael gelb is an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation and has written 10 previous books including the international bestseller how to think like leonardo da vinci and you can log on to michael where can people log on to
2: www.michaelgelb.com. It's G E L B. Michaelgelb.com.
1: Okay, all right, folks. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: It's news. It's opinion. It's opinion. It's opinion. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with Attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: are back. You're listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. And if you're listening today on December 10th, you can call us live at 866-472-5788. And you're listening to Positive Living. And my guest today is Michael Geld, who is an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation, and has written ten previous books, including the international bestseller, How to Think like Leonardo da Vinci. His clients have included DuPont, General Electric, Mark, Microsoft, and Nike, among others, and his newest book is Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor, and it is written with Sarah Miller Caldecott, who is, and tell us, she is the great-grandniece of Thomas Edison. Yep. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about, you were talking about five competencies yes. that are very important in, in innovative thinking. Yes. Okay, so let's look at competency number two.
2: Okay, well, the second competency for innovating like Edison is kaleidoscopic thinking, kaleidoscopic thinking, and we came up with the term kaleidoscopic thinking from a description of Edison's mind by his close advisor and general counsel, and... This gentleman described Edison's mind. He said, Edison's mind is like a kaleidoscope.
3: Mm -hmm. He
2: said, you turn it this way and that way, Mm -hmm. and ideas come pouring out, most of which are patentable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Thomas Edison generated more than uh, a 1,000 U.S. patents, which is Mm -hmm. the all-time record, and he said, if you want to get a good idea, get a lot of ideas. So what we did was, again, study his notebooks, consult with uh, Dr. Paul Israel. We were also really lucky because through Sarah's family, we got access to some Edison family letters hmm. and photographs that hadn't been seen by the public before. Hmm. And what we did was to figure out how did Edison generate so many ideas? How was he able to be so productive And it wasn't just that he was productive, but he trained his people to be incredibly productive. So he didn't just have a kaleidoscopic mind. He cultivated that ability to do kaleidoscopic thinking in his whole company culture. And there are five elements in kaleidoscopic thinking. And the first one shouldn't be a surprise if anybody's read How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci or Discover Your Genius or has studied any of the thinking styles of the great geniuses of human history because just like Leonardo, Edison was an avid keeper of a journal or notebook. Mm -hmm. And that's the next element is to make sure you do what these great geniuses do and jot down your ideas in a notebook. Uh, The next one we call practicing ideaphoria, which is to use analogical thinking and what Edison called fantastical storytelling to stimulate your imagination get out of the box, and generate lots of ideas.
1: Give, give us an example of that.
2: Well, if uh, I mean, the classic example is if I ask you uh, to write down as many uses as you possibly can for a paper clip, okay. which is a standard creative thinking test. Mm-hmm. And usually I do this for people all over the world, uh, senior executives from big companies, very smart people with you know, 4.0, grade point averages from Stanford and Harvard and so on, and they get about four or five answers per minute. Uh, Now, I give the same test to groups of gifted children, and they get 20 or 30 answers a minute. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) What's the difference? Well, the MBAs and PhDs from Harvard and Stanford have been trained, above all else, not to make a mistake and don't get a wrong answer so they carefully analyze everything before they write it down, even though they've been instructed that this is a creativity test and they should think of as many things as they possibly can. The gifted children aren't afraid of making mistakes, or making getting the wrong answer, and they listen carefully to what I said, and I said it's a creativity test. Think of as many uses as you can. So they let their imaginations go wild, and they generate 20 or 30 answers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, this is ideaphoria. It's... Understanding that you can let your mind go free, it's another name for it. it's free association, uh, and you can generate your ideas first before you organize them. But most business people suffer from what I call premature organization. <laughs>
1: so they're not free-flowing ideas at first, Exactly like what you're saying.
2: Exactly. So you let your ideas flow freely. Then the next element is to do what Edison did and discern patterns. So you look for connections and relationships between all these wacky ideas. Mm -hmm. And even though you'll wind up eliminating most of uh, the wacky ideas in the end, they stimulate your mind to make new connections and see patterns that you might not have seen otherwise. Mm -hmm. I mean, on a very simple level, when Edison was trying to invent the motion picture camera, he put in his journal, he said, I want to do for the eye what I have already done for the ear. Mm -hmm. so He invented the phonograph. Uh, the next thing is to do what Edison did, what da Vinci did, and to express ideas visually. So if you look at both da Vinci and Edison's notebooks, you see all kinds of sketches and creative doodles, many of which led to incredible inventions. And then the tenth uh, element overall, the fifth of kaleidoscopic thinking, is to explore the roads not taken. And this is really an internal, more emotional element of becoming innovative, and it is to have the courage to do something really different,
1: and also to take risk. And what if you're not a big risk taker? Uh,
2: well, it's just it's you know it's very, really simple. It's, it's there's always the risk of not trying it. Mm-hmm. So what you risk is well then you're, if you don't take the positive risk of attempting to fulfill your dream then what you're risking is a lifetime of unfulfilled dreams. Mm (laughs) So, you know, either way is a risk, so you might as well take the one that leads to the most positive positive, uh, fulfillment of your dreams and visions.
1: Okay, so now we're on number three, full-spectrum engagement.
2: Right. So this this is a description of Edison's, Mind by a prominent journalist of the time who had done a lot of uh, interviews with Edison. He has, in a degree which is literally startling, the power of self concentration. With him, no time is wasted on formalities and conventions, and not an instant is lost in passing from one mood or subject to another. The transition, moreover, is made with the whole momentum of his mind. He does everything with the least amount of friction. So, this, we decided to call this characteristic of Edison the ability to do things with the least amount of friction, to use the whole momentum of your mind, to shift from one mode to another. Give us,
1: give us an example of that, Michael.
2: Uh, well, a th- a, simple example is that uh, is within the first uh, element here which is the balance of intensity and relaxation Okay. I mean Edison's people worked with incredible intensity and focus and they worked for really long hours and then at midnight (laughs) because they were still working at midnight Edison would have would just call everybody together for a midnight lunch. And listen to this. This is an actual description uh, from uh, Paul Israel uh, of the Edison Laboratory. Practical jokes, tests of strength, and a competition over who could produce the highest voltage with a hand-crank generator, late-night meals and beer, telling jokes, singing silly or bawdy songs, all provided relief from the pressures of work. Mm. Edison also let his staff use the experimental electric railway that he built in 1880 Mm -hmm. as transportation to a nearby fishing hole, and workers who lived nearby were free to come and go to the laboratory as long as the work was done. In other words, he invented flex time, Mm -hmm. and he created this environment where people could let off steam and have a fabulous, great time, and then get back to work with even more intensity than before. Listen to his his description by uh, one of Edison's closest uh, associates.
1: He was way ahead of his time.
2: He says, listen to this, this and you you have to update this to a modern uh, uh, kind of ethos, but this fit perfectly in in the culture of uh, the 19th century uh, uh, U.S. So listen to this, our midnight lunch always ended with a cigar. It often happened that while we were enjoying the cigars, after our midnight repast, one of the boys would start up a tune on the organ and we would all sing together, or one of the others would give a solo. Another of the boys had a voice that sounded like something between the ring of an old tomato can and a pewter jug. He had one song that he would sing while we all roared with laughter. And what you'll see on the same, uh, this is on page one seventeen of Innovate Like Edison, and in the corner of that page you will see a priceless photograph of Thomas Edison taking a nap on his work desk. There's another example. <laughs> he took it. power naps, and he encouraged his, his staff to do the same. Mm. Twenty minutes, and when they, they all said that when he'd wake up, he would be even more productive than he was.
1: Mm. So, you know, he created teamwork before it was fashionable.
2: Well, that's the next competency.
1: All right, we're going to hold on that, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be our sneak preview. That's right. Okay, all right. My guest today is Michael Gelb. He's the author of the brand-new book, Co-Author, Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor. The co-author is Sarah Miller Caldicott who holds an MBA from Dartmouth Tuck School of Business, and she is the great-grandniece of Thomas Edison. Michael Gelb is an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation and has written 10 previous books, including the international bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. You can call us after the break at 866-472-5788. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back.
5: to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women in Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women in Wine broadcast each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Treveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend.
0: VoiceAmerica.com
1: Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And today we're talking about creativity, innovation, and how to think in a way that really brings you success, but that's systematic. My guest today is Michael Gelb who is an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovative, innovation and has written 10 previous books, including the international bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. His clients have included DuPont, General Electric, Merck, Microsoft, Nike, among others. And his newest book is Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor, which he co-authored with Sarah Miller Caldicott, who is the great-grandniece of Thomas Edison. Welcome back, Michael.
3: Thank you.
1: All right. We were talking about um, more principles in terms of really the five competencies of innovation. Yeah. And now we're talking about the mastermind. That's the teamwork.
2: That's exactly right. Well, see, the first three competencies set the stage for the final two because the first three are things that you can really largely apply on your own. You cultivate your own solution-centered mindset. You develop your skills as a kaleidoscopic thinker. You learn how to manage your energy and your ability to make transitions fluidly with full spectrum engagement. But if you want to really create something, you're going to have to work with other people sooner or later, one way or the other. And the real, the greatest aspect of Edison's genius was his ability to assemble a team that could translate these great ideas into practical, world-changing innovations.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the fourth competency is mastermind collaboration, mastermind
1: collaboration. You hear about mastermind all the time. There are people that do mastermind groups where we all help each other create our dreams.
2: Well, the person who pioneered the use of the notion of a mastermind uh, was the success author Napoleon Hill, mm. who wrote the classic book, mm-hmm. Think and Grow Rich. Yes. And Napoleon Hill was studying the most successful people of his time, the greatest achievers, and guess who he studied who inspired the notion of a mastermind? Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. He saw what Edison did in his laboratories to create this practical reality of bringing people together and having what you get from them as a team be more than the apparent sum of the parts of them as individuals. He created this kind of magic where there seems to be this super intelligence that emerges from the coordination and harmony and alignment of all these individuals in pursuit of a common goal. So again, what Sarah and I did was to try to figure out, okay, how exactly did Edison do that and how can we make it relevant to our readers today. And there are five elements of mastermind collaboration.
3: Okay.
2: The first one is to recruit for chemistry and results. Recruit for chemistry and results. Edison what does did that not
3: mean?
2: Well, what it means is most people, to the, to, uh, even to this day, still recruit based on resume and official qualifications and job experience. And all that's great, but it doesn't necessarily correlate at all with your ability to work effectively with the other people in that organization, and with your ability to get the results that you need to get in order to be successful. So when Edison was recruiting, he looked at how a given individual would fit with the rest of his team, and he consulted the rest of the team. I mean, today there are plenty of people that you go for a job, and you talk to the boss and the HR person, and then they hire you, and they put you on a team with people who you haven't even met yet. Or you know maybe you shook their hands for two minutes, but what Edison realized is you have to get those people that are going to be part of the team involved in the hiring process. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like common sense, but it's amazing that it, it, it still rarely happens today.
1: Well, then, I thought in companies they do that a lot, that many times, well, good, innovative companies, the CEO will talk to the person who's, you know, on the floor, the foreman, to get their ideas, correct? Well,
2: you just, well, you just answered your own question because it's innovative companies, exactly. Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that's still a small percentage of yeah. companies. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're trying to raise that percentage. Yeah. And so many of these things seem commonsensical, but it's amazing how, Common sense is rarely systematically applied. For example, the next element is to design multidisciplinary collaboration teams. Now, Edison was way ahead of his time here. He realized that if you're trying to innovate, you want people from different backgrounds, not just people from the same cookie-cutter training who all look at the world the same way. So he brought together teams of people, some of whom were highly educated, some of whom didn't even have a high school diploma. But he looked for chemistry and results and then brought together people from very different walks of life. And then the next element is to inspire an environment of open exchange. And he was a master at getting everybody to contribute and listening to everybody, respecting everybody's ideas, facilitating a passionate intellectual dialogue to try to uncover solutions to the huge problems that they were all working on.
1: But, you know, just that, what you just said, is so difficult. I I see it in companies today. I see it in organizations and nonprofits. People don't sit down and hash it out. They, they, they go to this one and that one, and then it's third party and fourth party. They just don't get in a room. I don't know whether they're afraid the room will blow up you know, if they all start talking, but there seems to be a fear in society about that, Michael. What do you think? Well, yeah, there is, here's the fear.
2: It's, a, it's an ego-driven fear, and it's, it's well, all fears are ego-driven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's based, it's based on this misunderstanding that people in authority often have. And the misunderstanding is if I listen to everybody, that means I have to do what they say.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. means I lose
2: my power. And the opposite is true. The more you listen to everyone, the more you get everyone engaged in sharing information, the more you hear absolutely diverse and contrary opinions, the better informed you will be and the wiser the decision you will make. I call this a democracy of ideas, and Mm -hmm. the most innovative leaders that I've worked with facilitate a democracy of ideas. But they also understand that there's still ultimately an autocracy of decision-making in business anyway. You need somebody who, who takes the ultimate accountability and makes the decision. Otherwise, you cannot move fast enough to compete. But you want to do that based on the optimal sharing of information and the participation of absolutely every mind that you are engaged in terms of bringing these, having these people employed in your organization. So, and the great thing is Edison knew that, practiced it, and his people loved him. I mean, there are mm-hmm. stories of some one or two people over the years who were disgruntled with Edison. Inevitable, but you read about read read the actual. Writings of the people who worked for him—they loved this guy. They were incredibly devoted to him.
1: Was he unusual in his time? In other words, were were most other people not operating the way he did? Was he unique then? Oh, he was huge. He was amazingly,
2: incredibly unique. That's the whole point. Because there was still before Edison, the model of invention was a lone inventor who just you know was kind of in some basement laboratory, mad scientist making something up, and then you know by Somehow it, it sort of translated into yeah. into a broader society. But Edison came up with this idea of what he called the invention factory. Mm. He was the first to he built the world's first research and development laboratory and then he linked it with manufacturing, production, marketing and sales. And mm. and he's the first to do that and that changed the world forever. And then he also, the other elements of mastermind collaboration are to be sure that you reward collaboration, which for many companies means make sure you're not punishing it, (laughs) and then to become a master networker, Mm -hmm. so that your your mastermind group is not just the people who work in your organization. It's advisors, it's scholars, it's people in the press, it's people from all walks of life, and Edison from the time he was a child, when he got a job working on a railroad, uh, on a train, and he started the world's first ever newspaper to be published on a train. And he used contacts he had from the time he was a kid throughout his business career to help light the world and invent the recording industry, among many
1: other things. the networking is so important. But something else I want to bring up is often what happens is that in that whole collaborative process, somebody will feel ignored or they'll feel like their idea wasn't heard, and it just has to happen once, and then they shut down. And you could be shutting out a person who who eventually could lead you to something great. And it's tragic, and it happens all All the time. because
2: mm-hmm. here's another problem is that people get promoted because they're good at doing something technical and then they become the manager. But the mm-hmm. skill of managing, the skill of coaching, the skill of leading has no necessary correlation whatsoever mm-hmm. with any technical skill.
1: Yes, yeah, you see that all the time too. You see people who are good at what they do but they're not good, good people people.
2: Oh, that's, why, that's why we have to write these books to help them <laughs> with the right. skills that they need.
1: All right, now your fifth one is super value creation. Right. Okay,
2: so early in Edison's career, he invented a vote recording machine. And this is when he was living in New England. So he was thrilled because he came up with this brilliant invention, which would enable legislators to sit at their seats and cast their votes and have their votes tallied accurately and instantaneously. There was a problem, however. Legislators did not want their votes to be calculated instantaneously and accurately. (laughs) They wanted time to lobby and schmooze and change results. So Edison couldn't sell his beautiful invention. This changed his life and set the stage for the rest of his career because he said, at that point he said, from now on I will only invent things that people want to buy. In other words, Edison realized that for innovation, for invention to become innovation, it had to meet practical needs of some kind of customer Uh base.
3: Uh
2: And nowadays it's common to talk about creating value for your customers Mm -hmm. or clients and so on. We call this element super value because what Edison realized, he said, I'm not just going to create value. Super means above and beyond. I'm going to create value above and beyond anything my competitors can do. Mm -hmm. So he oriented everything he did towards the creation of super value. All right.
1: We're going to have to take a break. Okay. (laughs) We're going to write on that super value and... We're going to talk more about this as soon as we come back. My guest is Michael Gelb, who's an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation. His bestseller, international bestseller was How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, and his newest book that we're talking about today that he co-authored is Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor. You can log on to michaelgelb.com. Michael, You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: Young people, do you want a forum to discuss your ideas and thoughts about what matters most to you? Speak Up brings together diverse voices, cultures, and ideologies from college-age adults across the country. Host Gina Holland provides a different perspective on how current affairs impact future generations. Broadcasting live every Thursday, Speak Up with Gina urges young Americans to think, ask pertinent questions, and affect change. That's Speak Up with Gina, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America channel.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi,
1: everyone. We are back. We are... I am positive living. Yes, I am positive living. And I'm Patricia Raskin also. And we're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can still call in if you're listening on December 10th at 866-472-5788. We are talking about innovation, creativity, and results in a very innovative way. My guest is Michael Gelb, who is the co-author of the new book, Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor, which he co-authored with Sarah Miller Caldicott, who is the great-grandniece of Thomas Edison. Michael Gelb is an internationally renowned pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation. He's written 10 previous books, including the international bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you. All right, we're talking about super value creation. This is one of the five competencies of innovation.
2: Correct. Let's continue on that line. Okay. Well, there are five elements to super value creation. The first is to link market trends with core strengths. So we analyzed just how Edison came up with his innovations, and what he did was to look at major trends in marketplaces, find gaps, link those gaps with the core strengths that he and his teams possess mm. and then fill the gap <laughs> you know it, it was re- i mean it's, it mm. took amazing big picture thinking to say, well, okay, people would really like a cleaner, brighter ultimately less expensive way to light their homes mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. it sounds so incredibly simple, but you have to remember all the people who said, including the uh, Top minds at the uh, Royal Institution in Britain, the top scientific organization, in Britain, they said, Incandes- practical incandescence mm-hmm. is utterly impossible. Mm. That was that was the head of the uh, this British uh, Academy. Well, what,
1: what's interesting about Edison is usually scientists are more left-brained; they're not as creative, correct? And he was so creative. Well, Edison
2: was whole-brained, mm. just like Da Vinci,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: he used left and right in harmony, and he got his teams to do the same thing. So you link market trends with core strengths, then you tune into your target audience. So Edison was a pioneer in market research. He went out and interviewed people about what they actually wanted and needed. He interviewed them about how much money they were spending on candles and gas lighting before he tried to sell them electrical, (laughs) incandescent light. (laughs) And again, this was a revolutionary concept at the time, to to tune into your target audience, to interview people, to collect the data, which he did not just on a kind of personal level, but also quantitatively to add up all the numbers and figure out that, yes, you could make a lot of money by creating this lighting system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He did the same thing with the recording industry, same thing with motion pictures, and his storage battery, and the carbon button transmitter, which he invented, which made it possible to actually understand what people were saying over the telephone. Mm.
3: Because
2: Bell invented the telephone, but you could not really understand a human voice over the phone until Edison invented the carbon button transmitter. Mm -hmm. Next one is to apply the right business model. So Edison developed this business model that was brand new, it was revolutionary, the idea of linking research and development to manufacturing, production, marketing, and sales. Mm-hmm. It had never really been done before. And he, he pioneered that. And it's really interesting for whatever you do to think about, well, what's my business model? Because uh, most people don't even know what a business model is. <laughs> but it, just to give you you know simple examples, uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car mm-hmm has been successful because they created an innovative business model. They said, in, we're going to bring the car to you. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of doing business. Same thing Southwest said, we're going to throw out the uh, hub and spoke system. We're going to just choose the the best routes, the most popular routes. We're going to offer a low price and friendly service.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Dell said, we're not going to emphasize research and development. We're going to emphasize distribution and price. Mm-hmm. Uh, eBay is an obvious uh, business model innovation.
3: Uh,
2: So the way you structure your business is critically important to the success of that Mm -hmm. enterprise. And a lot of folks have an idea, they have a product, they have a service, but they don't have any creative thinking about how their business model works. And Edison Edison's a great example of how to do that.
1: All right, and speaking of which, that's what you're going to help people do. You have a certification coming up for people who are interested in creativity and innovation. Tell us about that.
2: Yes, Uh, on April 24th to 28th in the land of enchantment, amazingly beautiful, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Mm -hmm. I am holding the Creativity and Innovation Certification Training Seminar. It's going to be four days of intense training in not only how to be more creative and innovative yourself but how to be a force for creativity and innovation in whatever organization or community profit or nonprofit you're engaged in so i 'm going to be certifying people as creativity and innovation coaches
3: mm.
2: we 're going to be using primarily the the model uh, that I introduced in how to think like Leonardo da Vinci but this exploration. will also be informed by the principles of innovating like Edison, mm-hmm. and we already have people signed up for this. Uh,
1: uh, and who, a, who would be the likely folks? Would these be people in companies who are directors of sales and director of marketing, for example? Well,
2: well we have lots of, uh, uh, we're getting tremendous interest from a lot of training and organizational development and human resource types, mm-hmm. but what's really exciting to me is we also have a, a CEO of a construction management company who's going to be joining us. Uh, I just got a a letter of inquiry, a very serious inquiry, from the former U.S. ambassador to South Africa who wants Mm. to come along.
3: Uh, uh,
2: So we have uh, some senior managers. We have... Uh, a couple of folks who are uh, life uh, coaches and executive coaches mm. want to get the certification. We have people who are on innovation teams in big companies like Merck and Microsoft who mm-hmm. are looking at uh, joining us.
3: Yeah.
2: And the information for this is on a PDF which is on the home page of my website on michaelgeld.com. Okay. And you'll see the, uh, it says Certification, the Creativity Innovation Certification Brochure and you can download it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, write to me and uh, set yourself up for, I mean, it's going to be truly life-changing, inspiring, Mm -hmm. empowering week, even... Here's the deal. Just being with the other people who are going to be there yes. in Santa Fe, in the environment we're creating, it's going to be transformational. Yes. And uh, some people have said, I'm not bad at what I do, so maybe I can oh, help as well. We know you <laughs> we know. That's
1: great. And will Sarah be there for part of the time? Sarah, uh, who is your co-author? Uh,
2: we're, we're discussing the possibility. It depends on it because she's so busy uh, leading trainings for people yeah. all around the world yeah. in uh yeah. in, yeah. Innovation. So we're going to try. All right, we have
1: just about a minute left, but two questions. The yes. first one is: How do you compare Da Vinci to Edison if they were to sit down and talk to each other?
2: Well, this is great. Right. I, you know, I've been asked this question before, and and people say, "Well, if, if Edison and Da Vinci got together, what would they ask each other?" And my first thought was, they might ask each other, "Who's this guy Michael Gelb who keeps writing books about us?" <laughs> 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 but I actually think that what uh, what Da Vinci Da Vinci would ask Edison about the nature of light.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Edison being the practical, results-oriented guy that he is would ask Da Vinci if he wanted a job.
1: Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. That's great. That's <laughs> terrific. All right, Michael, what do you want to leave our listeners with today? If they get one thing out of innovate like Edison or how to think like Leonardo Da Vinci, what's your message?
2: Well, I'll let I'll let Edison give you the message. Okay. It sort of sums it all up. Edison said, if we all did the things we are capable of doing, we would literally astound ourselves. So studying these astounding characters, Leonardo and Edison, will allow you to astound yourself and everyone around you.
1: Mm. Thank you so much, Michael, for being on the program. It's always a delight.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Stay on the line. Thank you. Michael Gelb, who's an internationally known pioneer in the field of genius thinking and organizational innovation, we've been talking about his newest book, which is Innovate Like Edison, The Success System of America's Greatest Inventor. You can log on to com. Next week I have on an amazing man, Dr. Harold Lothman, age 95, who walks two miles a day and is the author of the new book, One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. He will share his inspirational story and his lives as a commercial artist, musician, surgeon, and bioenergy engineer, and how in his 70s he began to design operating rooms. Talk about an innovator. All right, folks, until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. As I always say, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great week.
0: Been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on voiceamerica.com.